This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Sorry, no dramatic readings to open this hour of Canny and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, but we are going to hit on quarterbacks that you may already be sick of hearing about, and you're probably not going to stop hearing about them for a long time. This is Canny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker alongside Gabe Knight's on Michael Rossi, and we're filling in for Canny and Carlin today. Give us a call. Let's chat. 888-729-3776 or 888-SAY-ESPN. And like I said, Gabe, we're going to talk about quarterbacks throughout this segment, probably throughout this show, that you're going to hear about every day, every week, and possibly no more than Aaron Rodgers, a guy that you talk about, what, every hour on your radio station in, in Wisconsin? Yeah, every hour of every day. It's 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 pretty consistent. It's all Aaron Rodgers all the time. You know, it's it's Rodgers Watch 2023. Very similar to Rodgers Watch 2021. Very similar to Rodgers Watch 2022. Do you guys have, like, the voice guy that we have here at ESPN Radio? Maybe it's not the same voice guy. Do, like, Rogers Watch. Like, do you guys have that as a pre-billboard? So what we do on our show, we call it the green bays of our lives, kind of the takeoff days of our lives. You know, sands through the hourglass, so the, and we've got the big voice guy doing that because it is just, it is a soap opera with this guy each and every offseason. It is, and obviously the soap opera now is, will he leave Green Bay? Will he stay in Green Bay? Will he retire? Will he not retire? Who knows as the Aaron Rodgers spins and your co-host on your morning show in ESPN, in, on ESPN Wisconsin, Jen Lotta was on KJM this morning, and she kind of gave a hint of what she thinks might happen with Aaron Rodgers. It was a little surprising, you know, because I think I've been in the camp of, okay, here we go, same song and dance that we have dealt with with Aaron Rodgers for the last few years. But ultimately, I think he comes back. You know, I think it's like anything else. You go through a long, exhaustive season. They didn't do as well as they wanted to. He didn't play as well as, you know, he holds himself to a very high standard. So he didn't play as well as he expects himself to. And then, you know, you miss the playoffs. So I think he's doing what he needs to do, which is taking some time away, assessing the situation, and I gotta tell you guys, mm-hmm. I would be shocked if he wasn't back in the green and Same gold here. next season. Listen, he has, what, close to 60 million reasons to return next year. I agree with Jen Lotta that I do believe he will be back next year, definitely in the NFL and probably with the Packers because, Gabe, there's also this, and I want to get your opinion on it from a lo- more of a local perspective. Like, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract, but if he were want, wants to move on, he does have the retirement carrot that he could dangle of just saying, I'm not going to go there. If Correct. He's like, yeah. if it's a place he doesn't want to go. Yeah, 100%. And no team's going to want to trade for Aaron Rodgers without sort, some sort of willingness on his part to kind of rework the deal at least a little bit or that team if they're going to give up significant assets they're probably going to want more than just a one-year commitment out of Aaron Rodgers and go well can you know can we can you say you're going to play for two years which is going to be tough to do I think the market for Aaron Rodgers is going to be limited but at the same time I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards he's not back this upcoming season because I I don't believe that Brian Gutekunst, the Packers general manager, is going to do some of the things that Aaron Rodgers wants to do. And Rodgers, in his postgame presser after they lost to the Detroit Lions in Week 18 to miss out on the postseason, said he thinks they're a weapon or two away, or a piece, piece or two away offensively to kind of getting back to maybe what they were since they had a disappointing year. 
on offense. They didn't have that true number one receiver, and they were young and developing these different guys. But in order to be at that Super Bowl contending level, they need a go-to guy. They need some of those weapons that he's had, like a Devontae Adams in the past. And when you look at the free agent market, kind of bare. Not, yep. nothing, nothing out there that screams number one big play guy need to have. So now you have to try to explore the trade market and who, who might be available there. And I just don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to be spending the draft capital that he has to do that. So if you bring back, if you're Gutekunst and you decide to bring back Aaron Rodgers, to me, you're just kind of in NFL purgatory. You're going to be this team that maybe gets to 10 wins, best case scenario. Maybe that's good enough to win the North. May, probably ends up being a wild card. And you're a team that gets bounced in one of the first two weekends and never really had a chance to reach the Super Bowl. So you, either you, you follow the Rodgers plan and get the weapons, which I don't think Gutekunst is going to do, or you're just kind of prolonging the inevitable when you could just blow it all up and start over with Jordan Love right now, who, by the way, they need to make a decision on in May whether or not they're picking up his fifth-year option. No, and I get it. And here's the question, though. If Aaron Rodgers were to move on, where it makes sense? To me, a team that actually would make a lot of sense from a like on-field perspective, but I don't think they could even attempt to pull it off from a cap space perspective, would be San Francisco if San Francisco, say, wanted to move on from Brock Purdy or Trey Lance. But they let, let's be very clear. They cannot afford that. I looked up their cap space. <laughs> their cap space at the moment for 2023 is $24,000. So they would have to gut that team to get Aaron Rodgers, and that does not work. That's not part of this plan. There was, however, a guy who's won, oh, a couple Super Bowls, four of them actually, and that's Rob Gronkowski. He was on FanDuel TV and the Up and Adams podcast, and he was talking about Aaron Rodgers from a kind of different perspective in that he doesn't necessarily like what he's hearing from him. Why are you thinking MVP? Like, don't you want Super Bowls? Like, Super Bowls are, are I think, five times greater than, a, than an MVP award. Like, we all know that you won the MVP a few times now, but, like, you know, everyone would know even more how many more Super Bowls you've won than MVPs. Uh, Gabe, you are in Wisconsin every day. We were talking about this pre-show. I don't think that Gronk either heard the entirety of the McAfee show appearance or, like, was just not played it. I don't know, because from what I heard from what Aaron Rodgers said in totality to kind of maybe what he had been played, I think were two different things. Yeah, this is a situation where I doubt Rob Gronkowski's tuning into the Pat McAfee show every Tuesday, you know, making sure he gets all that, you know, I don't think he's a part of the Aaron Rodgers book club. Maybe he's a part of the Michael Rothstein book club, as, you know, you have all those books behind you. But uh, it, Rodgers started that whole thing Tuesday on McAfee saying it doesn't make sense for him to come back unless it's a situation in which he believes he can win it all. Like that was, that's the baseline. That's where he starts. And then the questions kind of turned to, well, this was kind of a struggle of a season. Do you still think you can play at a high level? And he started ad, you know, asking himself and answering questions, much like Brett Favre did back in the day when he was with the Packers. Do I think I can play at a high level? Yes, I think I play at a high level. Do I think I can win an MVP? Yes, of course, in the right situation, I can win an MVP. But that was the part that everybody grabbed onto. So that's the thing on social media and all these different podcasts that get played. And then all these other former players get asked 
asked about. The baseline for Aaron Rodgers coming back, he said, was can I win a title? Can I win a Super Bowl? That's the baseline. That's where everything starts. Everything else falls in after that. If he doesn't believe he can win a Super Bowl, then he's not coming back. The championships are what's important to Aaron Rodgers. He is hyper-competitive. Yes, he is a lot of things. He has certainly been a pain in the neck for Brian Gutekunst, Packers general manager. But being somebody that is more concerned about the MVPs versus the Super Bowls and the team success, I don't think that quite fits what Aaron Rodgers has been over the course of his career. And I think it's just been an unfair way he's been painted by the one clip that everybody jumped onto from his Tuesday appearance on McAfee. Listen, I covered the NFC North for eight seasons when I covered the Lions. I agree with you there. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the most competitive guy ever. Remember, this is a guy who's, like, relished in saying, I, I, I own the Chicago Bears. This is a guy who takes joy in sucking the soul out of the Detroit Lions almost every year, although not this year because the Lions swept him. He's super competitive. Like, this is the part of why I think so much issue was brought, so many issues were brought up by Aaron Rodgers when it comes to needing receivers, when it needs to come in, needing more weapons, is because he is that competitive. If he didn't care, if he just cared about MVP awards, Aaron Rodgers has made a lot of receivers a lot of money. A lot of receivers oh, yeah. that maybe aren't that good made them a ton of money. Or aren't Jennings, as good. Yeah, you, Jones. Donald Driver. You, let's go on and on. Like, I. You can say that. Aaron Rodgers wants to win. To me, there's no question about that at all. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, if they want to read a book from the book club, Matt Higgs had to stop time because they both probably would like to do that right now to play one or two more years. Just From saying. the personal library of one Michael Rothstein. Yeah, it was on my fourth shelf back here for those who are watching on the simulcast. Candy and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance alongside Gabe Knight. So I'm Michael Rothstein. We're in for the guys today. And Gabe, listen, as much as we joke about my book club or non-book club, but happy to start a book club and had a stop time by Matt Haig, we thought it would be a fun little game to play with all the different quarterback decisions coming. So let's... Bring in our producer, Stosh, and let's spin a wheel, and away we go. Let's give that wheel a little spin. The first name that came up is Derek Carr. So Derek Carr, to me, I'm looking at a team like the Tennessee Titans. I I just feel that that's where he could kind of go. They clearly don't believe in Malik Willis as even, I think, their quarterback of the future. I think they've already seen enough. I think they've had enough of the Ryan Tannehill experience. They need a quarterback. I I think if... Carr has shown that he can be effective, especially when you pair him with a good running game like he's, like he's had with Josh Jacobs in the past. With Las Vegas, you'd have Derrick Henry in Tennessee. I am going to say the Tennessee Titans for Derrick Carr. See, I, I, I like where you're going. However, I'm going to offer two potential options. One would be the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Atlanta Falcons, the team I cover, would be a very good fit for him. He might not be as mobile as some of the other quarterbacks that they've used. However, what you're seeing with Derek Carr is you have a higher level passer than what Desmond Ritter has been and certainly what Marcus Mariota was. And you have a guy that, like you said, can use a strong run game. The Atlanta Falcons have that. And they also have young, young pieces. Tyler Algier is a rookie. Drake London's a rookie. Kyle Pitts in his second year. It sets up really well for him. The other spot would be the Jets. Again, young team, defense already set. They're a quarterback away from being really good, and Derek Carr could be that guy. Stosh, spin the wheel again. Spinning. All right. The next one is Jimmy Garoppolo. All right. So, 
Jimmy G, I think, falls into a very similar category to Derek Carr, right? Now, I, I'm not going to say he's going to go to Atlanta. I actually think the Jets would be a really good landing yep. spot for Jimmy for Jimmy Garoppolo because, again, they're a quarterback away. Jimmy Garoppolo knows how to win. You have a young team there, and his presence, his calming presence, and his ability make a lot of sense there. Plus, I think there probably is a little part of Jimmy Garoppolo that would love to be able to go back to the Jets and maybe stick it to Bill Belichick, who traded him away to San Francisco. Maybe just a little bit, Gabe. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a little bit of there. But Jimmy G just makes a ton of sense to me to the Jets as well, where you have that veteran presence. And they showed, I think, that they have enough offensive weapons where you can have some success within that offense. They had some people talked into Mike White as being a viable option <laughs> going forward because he was throwing for 300 yards in a couple of games that he started for the Jets. So if you get somebody who has the experience of Jimmy G, who – you know, is good with the football. I would say Jimmy G's maybe a little bit a step above what a, what you would typically consider a game manager, especially with the young, fun weapons they have in offense. They figured it out on defense. J- the Jets and Jimmy G to me just seem like the perfect marriage. And, and I've kind of talked myself into it to the point where I'll be surprised if that's the marriage that doesn't happen this offseason. I'll give you one other thing with Jimmy G and the Jets that would, besides the fact that it rhymes, Jimmy G and the Jets. That's very exciting. New York Papers would love that. Jimmy G is objectively a very attractive human being, and yes. Madison Avenue would love him. He would be a star in New York. So that, I think, could, for Jimmy G, if I were his marketing people, I'd be like, listen, man, if it's all equal, go to New York because we'll be able to sell you, and you're going to be on billboards all across New York, and you're going to really enjoy that part of it. Stash, I feel like I'm on Wheel of Fortune here, so spin it again. Oh, this wheel's heavy, man. <laughs> Lamar Jackson just came up. Okay, so after everything that's happened today with Lamar, ultimately I do think he ends up back in Baltimore. You have his head coach and John Harbaugh talking about with Greg Roman stepping down from his spot as the offensive coordinator that Lamar is going to be involved in the conversations and, and you know he's going to have a voice in the room in terms of who that next OC is going to be. However, if I were to cook up a crazy scenario for Lamar Jackson – I'm going to say the Seattle Seahawks and stick with me on this. All right. Okay. Because if you're Seattle, do you really feel confident in giving Geno Smith some sort of long-term extension? Nope. Is he going to be your guy long-term where now you've got a couple of first round picks, picked up a lot of draft picks from the Denver Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade. So why not spin some of those picks to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens end up taking some of those picks and then sell them off to the Chicago Bears to get the number one pick. So that's how they get their new quarterback. And everybody gets a new quarterback and everybody's happy. I, I like your thought, actually. I had not thought of that. And by the way, they will potentially have the cap room next year, too, according to our insider cap numbers. It looks like they'll have about $40 million in cap space. So it is entirely possible, Gabe. That's a low-key, really interesting scenario that I would actually like to see a lot but after hearing Eric DaCosta, their general manager, and John Harbaugh, the head coach today, say that, hey, we want to give him input in the offensive coordinator. We 100%, 200% want him. I think that they're going to get something done. And they know that they don't come out here and say that unless, they know, unless it's one of two things, Gabe. One, they know they're going to get something done. Or two, they are setting it up so that way if it, something doesn't get done, they can put the blame on Lamar Jackson, which might not be fair. It would kind of be a dirty pool move. But that would be the only other reason for Harbaugh and DaCosta to come out and say what they did today uh, without a deal being close to done. 
One more spin of the wheel here, Stosh. One Let's more, make it a good one. One more just for you. Here's one. Trey Lance, 49. I, I, yeah, I, I'm with Gabe because I, I'm going to actually say, so Trey, so Rand Carthon just got the Tennessee Titans general manager job. The Tennessee Titans, they have Ryan Tannehill right now at quarterback, but they need to figure something else out behind him because I don't get the sense that they think Malik Willis is the guy. Trey Lance might be the answer there because, again, Rand Carthon has familiarity with him. He's already gone out meeting Trey Lance and said, hey, maybe, you know, he's kind of tweeted some cryptic stuff and Instagram some cryptic stuff, which, of course, everybody's going to overreact to. I like Tennessee there. And here's the thing with Ryan Tannehill under contract. If you're Kyle Shanahan and you're like, you know what? I don't necessarily feel great about Brock Purdy, but I also think that he's the option I want to go with over Trey Lance. Maybe you could convince the Titans. And again, I'm just playing a game here. Convince the Titans to trade Tannehill for Trey Lance as part of the compensation package, and then you maybe get your win now quarterback in case Brock Purdy doesn't work out in San Francisco, Gabe. I know we're in the era where teams are willing to give up on even top five picks within you know during that rookie deal. We've seen a we've seen a bunch of it. Yeah. We've seen Sam Darnold get traded. We've seen Baker Mayfield get traded. We've seen uh, Josh Rosen not be able to cut it out. Where where teams are willing to do that. But they were just wasting one pick when they did that. The 49ers gave up two firsts additionally to their own first-round pick a couple years ago when they decided to draft Trey Lance. They invested three first-round picks into this guy. He is in year two. They knew he was pretty much going to redshirt year one, gets injured, out for the year this year, go back to Jimmy G, he gets hurt, and now Brock Purdy's the guy. I can't imagine that they are going to give up on Trey Lance that quickly. I just have a hard time believing... They're going to give up on an injured guy. They were confident enough in him to go to him as their starter this year. I think he's still going to ultimately be the guy in San Francisco. Brock Purdy is a fantastic story, but he's still a seventh-round pick with a lot of weapons around him. I think ultimately he could be the one thing that costs San Francisco an opportunity at the Super Bowl this year. But I think Trey Lance remains in San Francisco just because they've already sunk so much into him. I can't imagine giving up on him this early. I get what you're saying, Gabe. I do. However, if Brock, if Brock Purdy wins this weekend, I don't, I don't know how, if you were the Niners, you can make that argument. Because if you go to Trey Lance, like honestly, if you go to Trey Lance to start then and it doesn't go well the first couple weeks of the season and Brock Purdy's the backup – that gets really, really rough, really, really fast but, for Trey Lance. And you're going to hear it from You're going to hear about it over and over exact, again. It'd be the exact same situation they found themselves in this year. They went to an NFC Championship game a year ago with Jimmy G, and then they decide to go to Trey Lance this year, convince Jimmy G to stick around. It'd have been the exact same situation they would have been in this year had Lance struggled, and then you still have Jimmy G there. No, I get it. And listen, as much as I'd like to stop time and continue this conversation, we have to keep rolling. And we're going to give you some Vegas perspective on everything that we're talking about, including this weekend's playoff games. That's next here on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg. And ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. So listen, we know that you might need help this weekend. We get it. Like betting in the NFL is hard. Vegas makes it difficult. They're called sharps for a reason. But we're going to try and give you some help here on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker if you choose to listen to us there. We're going to bring in alongside Gabe Neitzel. I'm Michael Rothstein. We're in for Candy and Carlin today. We're going to go to the phone, and we're going to go out to Las Vegas to bring in Tyler Fulgham, our ESPN sports betting analyst. He's also the host of Daily Wager on ESPN. Tyler, thanks for taking a few minutes today. We appreciate it. And... I just want to start here because these four games are, I think are all intriguing on one for, in one form or another. Which game to you is the most intriguing from a betting perspective this weekend? I definitely think it's the Bengals-Bills game uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, it has the largest disparity between the number of tickets and the money that's been bet. Uh, about three-quarters, two-thirds or three-quarters of the tickets – have come in on the Bengals as the underdog. And I understand that. The Bengals have now, for the better part of the last two seasons, um, been wildly successful for betters. Um, they're one of the best teams against the spread in the NFL this season. There was that stretch where they had, you know, reeled off about 10, 11 straight covers. And they were a team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl last year, and they're catching almost six points. Uh, you go back to the game, of course, that didn't get completed when these two teams met, albeit in Cincinnati. And the Bengals were up 7-3 in that game and were driving to maybe potentially make it a 10-3 or 14-3 advantage over the Bills. The Bills have also been a team that has kind of been sloppy with the football at times. Last week, they almost lost to the Miami Dolphins with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Yet, despite two-thirds to three-quarters of the tickets being on those Bengals, it's about two-thirds to three-quarters of the money and all of the large six-figure wagers coming in on the Bills laying the five-and-a-half points at home. Um, and all due kind of like um, respect to the Sharps and, and the, those big money wagers, and I, I try to honor that, but, man, it's hard for me not to like taking Cincinnati plus the points. Um, I guess we'll find out what's happening with their offensive line situation, Alex Kappa, Jonah Williams, because that's significant. But the Bengals have seemingly been a good bet for betters the better part of more than 12 months now. And I just I want to keep riding that trend because Buffalo is a team that, of course, if they play their A game, can beat anyone. But they haven't done that very frequently this year, have they, guys? Nope. No. No, they haven't. And taking a look at one of the games that I'm most interested in, the 49ers-Cowboys, Niners favored by four points. How different mm-hmm. do you think this line would be if it was Jimmy G at quarterback versus Tyler versus uh, uh, Purdy, Brock Purdy? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a really good question. I think Purdy's better than Jimmy G. I think when you talk about them executing the offense um, within the structure of what Kyle Shanahan wants, Purdy does everything that Jimmy G does, and then a couple of things that Jimmy G can't, most notably extend plays with his legs. Purdy, vastly superior in that regard. I think Purdy's also got a better arm, or at least a more adventurous arm, that he's willing to push the ball further downfield and outside the numbers to the hashes and the sideline. And when you have playmakers like Depot Samuel, you know, CMC, 
George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, even now Juwan Jennings making plays. That's, I think, beneficial to try and access those weapons with maybe a lower percentage throw that has higher risk, high, you know, high, high risk, high reward. I think that gives them a higher ceiling uh, for this team. So I think the market probably thinks that Jimmy G is worth a half point or a point and a half um, for San Francisco. I completely disagree with that. I think Purdy is the guy who maximizes their ceiling and gives them a higher power rating. Um, but I do think I'm probably in the minority there when it comes to the market and the sports books. They probably value Jimmy G by a point, point and a half more than Purdy. Yeah, that was the that is the newest member of the Brock Purdy bunch. Tyler Fulgham, our ESPN <laughs> sports betting analyst here on e- Kenny and Carl on ESPN Radio. I, I don't I, I want to stick with that game, right? Like, okay. do you think it's a four point spread for the Niners? Like, what do you need to see from Dallas for you to be willing to put money on Dallas? Oh, that's a good question. I won't be putting money on Dallas. One, I am, you know, scarred by having hosted shows before in my sports broadcasting career with Dallas Cowboy fans that are, you know, so obnoxious and over the top. One of them has actually written a book about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, So I, I hate Cowboys. I hate the franchise. I hate the fan base. I hate the arrogance. Um, and the expectation that is kind of unfounded. Um, I do think the 49ers are the best football team in the National Football League. Uh, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Cincinnati, I think the best team when you consider the roster 1-53, through 53, the coaching staff, the elite talent, the strengths and weaknesses, despite Brock Purdy being the quarterback. Of course, there are many quarterbacks that are superior to him in this playoffs. Mahomes, Allen, uh, Jalen Hurts. Burrow and the like. I think the best football team, when everything is considered, is the San Francisco 49ers. I think they can, they can overwhelm you offensively, defensively, with coaching, with special teams. They are, if there is, you know, in Madden, you have team ratings from 0 to 100. They're, they have the highest rating of every team here, in my eyes. Um, so I'll be betting the 49ers. They have the rest advantage, 48-hour rest advantage. Brock Purdy has scored 30-plus points in every game that he has started this season, except for one. The defense is dominant. Um, you know, they, they slipped a little bit. They've had some issues defending uh, the pass, so that concerns me a little bit against Dak and Dallas. And, of course, Brock Purdy has never uh, seen anyone like Micah Parsons coming at him, I don't think, uh, which he'll have this weekend. But I just think as long as Purdy doesn't hurt himself or his team, the 49ers' talent, the disparity in talent between the 49ers' roster and their coaching staff will show itself over the 60 minutes and will ultimately win the game and probably cover Tyler, you let us kind of know how you feel about the Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, Niners. Uh, but do you think the Chiefs or Eagles have trouble covering their numbers that they have on Saturday night? I think the Eagles are the one I look at as um, more likely to have trouble covering. I mentioned how great Cincinnati had been uh, against the spread this season. Well, the New York football giants were right there with them. They're 14-4 and ATS this season. They covered 14 of the 18 games they played, including, of course, last week as an outright uh, dog in Minnesota. They're 11-2 and against the spread in the underdog role, and they're catching 7.5 points here against Philadelphia. When you look at the Giants, they have – I mean – they're playing free and loose. I mean, no one expected them to be here. So this is house money for Brian Dable and Daniel Jones. They can play free and easy. Meanwhile, Philadelphia has to live with the expectation of being the one seed, having already beaten New York a couple of times, and then having to deal with a couple of concerns. One is Lane Johnson. 
who it may not seem like a right tackle can have significant impact on your splits for your offense when he's on the field and off the field or when he's 100% versus less than 100%. But Lane Johnson may be the most impactful right tackle in terms of affecting efficiency of his offense in the entire National Football League. I know he's trying to play. I think it's likely that he will play. But how effective is he? Is he 100% or is he 50%? Because that matters. Then there is the rhythm and momentum that was lost from Jalen Hurts' breakout season due to his injury. I know he came back in week 18 against the G-men. They failed to uh, cover in that game. I do believe it was a little bit closer than we thought against the Giants' B team. I mean, Brian Dable didn't play any starters. But I'm worried that even though the Eagles are saying he's completely healthy, they won't necessarily use Hurts to lower his shoulder and pick up some crucial third downs with design runs or those fourth and short sneaks unless it's a break glass in case of an emergency scenario. I wonder about the momentum. I wonder about the shoulder. I wonder about Lane Johnson. There's enough red flags for me to think that I'm not saying the Giants pull the outright upset, but this comes down to more like a field goal or a a four-point game than a a seven-and-a-half, eight-point double-digit victory for the Philadelphia Eagles. That voice you heard, he is Tyler Fulgham, ESPN Sports Betting Analyst. Tyler, thank you so much. Good luck on Daily Wager tonight. I appreciate it, guys. As you heard, Tyler Fulgham, he's not high on the Eagles at least covering the spread. He's, he maybe thinks the Giants might. Our own Rob Nigovich thinks the Bills are the home team prime for a potential upset. Are there others? What a, what a Gabe, and I think that's next on Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. And Carlin, the podcast. So you might have heard our guy Tyler Fulgham on the show last segment kind of rip the Dallas Cowboys. He has no love for the Cowboys. And immediately, immediately on social media, because social media suffers no fools, our guy Dave Ross, who's at D-Ross Sports, went right at our guy Tyler Fulgham, and Tyler Fulgham went right back at him. So we're creating a little bit of controversy here on Kenny and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Also on your smart speaker, Kenny and Carlin, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance, along Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Michael Rothstein. We're filling in for the guys today. You want to join the conversation? Do you also have Cowboys hate? Maybe some Cowboys love? However you feel, <laughs> give us a call, 888-729-3776 or 888-SAY-ESPN, because we're going to get into it right now about all four playoff games, because Gabe, which NFL 
high seed, meaning the home teams, meaning the Chiefs, meaning the Giants, meaning the Niners, meaning the Eagles, do you think is primed for an upset? And why is it not Chiefs-Jaguars, which is Andy Reid versus Doug Peterson? Yeah, so that, that game's going to be really interesting. But to answer the first part of your question, Michael, as much as I want to say Cowboys 49ers, and I think the Cowboys can pull off the upset, and the Cowboys are just too Jekyll and Hyde. They're up and down. You just don't know what team is going to show up week to week. So to me, it's the Bengals-Bills. I mean, the yeah. Bengals had that Bills team. I mean, they were up, and then the DeMar Hamlin injury happens. And, and obviously, it's you know halfway through the first quarter. So who knows what happens over the final three and a half quarters of that game. But I, I thought that this game would be more for just your standard three points. They're, to me, very two very equal teams. It's going to be the most fun game of the weekend. I think it's the most highly anticipated matchup. You maybe talk me into 49ers-Cowboys because of all the history between those two franchises. But... Five and a half points seems like a lot of points for the for the Bills. So I, I would say Bengals plus five and a half just looks really intriguing to me. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think there are questions with Cincinnati's offensive line. That's part of this. Sounds like Jackson Carmen's going to maybe get the start at tackle, and that has not gone well for Jackson Carmen in, in his career with the Bengals as an offensive lineman so far. I. I also am with you. I, I like the Bengals here, and not only do I like them with the points, I like them outright because I, I'm really – maybe this is – I don't know. I, I'm very much in like. You know, there's in like and there's in love, right, Gabe? Yeah, of course, like, yeah. I, I'm very much in like with this Bengals offense because Joe Burrow is a fantastic quarterback. He's a top, what, four or five quarterback in the NFL. Careful. But it's, it, don't want to disrespect him now. I, I know. We're going to get to that later in the show. <laughs> Um, but he has three number one wide receivers, like three guys that on almost any team other than like the Vikings, other than a couple of other teams that have clear, clear number ones that are top receivers in the league period. He has three number one receivers in Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. You put Tyler Boyd or T Higgins on 70% of the NFL teams. That's probably your number one receiver. And that makes them so difficult to cover and They've been rolling, man. Like, I, I just really like what I've seen out of this Bengals team, Gabe. Well, it's funny you mentioned Tyler Boyd, and I think a lot of people might laugh. You go, oh, man, he's number three receiver. What are you talking about? Well, everybody was laughing at the Jaguars when they decided to sign Christian Kirk to the money that he did, and he was just a number three receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, and look what he's been able to do in Jacksonville. Like, yeah. Those number three guys, given the opportunity to step up and shine, they absolutely can. And so I'm with you on on Boyd and with, you know for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's... Two top-tier quarterbacks, two of the best guys that are out there. Um, you know, this was, for the Bills last year, it was them and the Chiefs, and it kind of felt like the AFC Championship game, and they ex- you know, just kept exchanging haymakers, especially in the final four or five minutes of that game a year ago. This is going to be a lot of fun on, on Sunday afternoon. It's it's going to be one you're looking forward to, because all the other matchups, they don't have two marquee quarterbacks. You know, no. Josh well, Allen and Joe Burrow are the two guys. Well, well you're going to say that, that there's a better quarterback matchup, two, a marquee matchup with two stud quarterbacks? No, I'm not going to say it's better, but I don't think it's fair to say it's the only one. Because I think you can argue that Jacksonville, Kansas City has two stud quarterbacks. I think you can absolutely argue that. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence threw four picks in that first half. I'm going to give you that. But, but other than that, the second half of this season, Trevor Lawrence has been playing absolutely like a number one pick. I think Kansas City wins that game. I think Kansas City wins it going away because Andy Reid is a fantastic coach. And that team, I think, is probably the best or second best team in the NFL. 
But from a quarterback matchup, I like that matchup a lot. I really do, Gabe. Well, that, the coaching matchup you mentioned, uh, Andy Reid. I mean, Doug Peterson, seriously, I think my favorite play last week of Super Wildcard Weekend was fourth and one. Everybody's been running quarterback sneaks because you can push the quarterback and you know, everybody motions yeah. the tight end. So, so what does Doug Peterson do? He lines up in the old 1934 T formation like he's a high school coach in Wisconsin and he decides to run a sweep out of the T formation when everybody thinks he's going to run a quarterback sneak with his tall quarterback and Travis Etienne sneaks out the right side, gets a big first down in a big situation for Jacksonville. So that's that. Might, Peterson is fantastic. And I love what he's done with Jacksonville this year. I think it just goes to show you how important that for a young quarterback, having a good coach that can help develop you, how important that is. And Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence is the right marriage. And I'm with you with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's fantastic. And I honestly think that Jacksonville can put a scare into Kansas City, but it's more like a scare, kind of like what Seattle put into San Francisco last week, where maybe Jacksonville's leading at the end of the first half. Maybe they're just close at the end of the first half, but ultimately in the second half, the better team with the better talent is ultimately going to pull away, and Jacksonville shouldn't be ashamed of that. But I think there can be at least a little bit of a scare for Jacksonville that they can put into KC. No, and I think they can. Listen, they, these two teams played. It was a 10-point game about a month and a half ago. I know Trevor Lawrence... Made it sound like he maybe wasn't that intimidated by Arrowhead in the playoffs. Arrowhead in the playoffs, not the friendliest place to play. I like what I've seen from this Jacksonville team because here's the other thing with this Jaguars team, Gabe. It's very, very simple that they've been scared within their playoff life, perhaps more than any team that's played so far in the playoffs. They've been the closest to being, like, gone. So that nerves, those nerves, especially for a young team, they know they're just kind of playing for it. They're going for it now. I like that because a lot of people expect Kansas City to win. I do not expect Jacksonville to win. However, I do think that we will see them give the, the, get them give the Chiefs a really tough game. Coming up next, we're going to keep the conversation on the Jags going, and we'll see how that goes. That's Kenny and Carden on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.